This is Jack Gibson from Exodus, and you're listening to Music City Metal. Music City Metal. Uh, welcome to the Fishbowl. Mary's going to be joining us in a little bit. It is the middle of a work day, and it's actually Valentine's Day. And uh, doing something we normally don't do at the request of my good friend, Brother James. We are videotaping, too, so if you're not on a podcast platform, uh, maybe you go check us out on YouTube. See how ugly we all are. I'm, I'm actually very pretty. You are. You are. A two good-looking men in here. Three. <laughs> And my good friend Jordan Sanders, man. You and I did a super stoned podcast about a year ago, didn't we? It was was way long, way back in the day. Welcome to another edition. Uh, This time we're going to get heavy on the dialogue. We're going to play a couple songs by uh, James Cole IV, uh, but we're going to talk about a heavy subject that we've been planning probably, I don't know, a couple months now, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about mental health and uh, metal. And actually, um, there's, a, there's a lot of advocates out there in the music world for that. Sully Erna's one. Um, uh, Judas Priest, uh, Rob Halford is a big advocate for it. Uh, but I'm just going to defer to you and let you spell out what we're going to talk about, how, uh, how deep we're going to go, Mr. Cole. Oh, man, as deep as we can go, as many inches, all three of them. I really think this is going to end up coming out in two parts uh, because we like to keep these to an hour. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if an hour is going to be enough. We shall see. Checking your notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. There's, there sorry. was absolutely no way that I could just, like, have all of this rehearsed off the top of my mind and then just be like, oh, yeah, here you go. Well, what's been new with you? We just had a nice little birthday party for you. Yeah. That um, that birthday party, I... I I barely remember um, half of it. Um, that's uh, that's actually, I guess, one of the things that we could really get started on when it comes to uh, metal musicians and mental health. Uh, I mean, you know, this entire episode is not just going to be about uh, only metal musicians, but I mean, that's like my bread and butter right there, and that's the most people that I know that have to deal with the shit. Substance abuse. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's get into that. Um, musicians are more likely to have substance abuse issues than most people on the planet. Um, there's been a lot of studies that go into that. That also goes into suicide rates. Um, metal musicians are more prone to suicide. Uh, nineteen, hang, hang on, nineteen point fuck. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, I literally just kind of, I don't know. 19 something percent of musicians uh, in metal commit suicide. That is the death rate. Jeez, of, I didn't know it was that high. Yeah, like, I didn't think about that. 19%. 19% of those musicians die by suicide. Not not any other thing, just suicide. Like, I don't not, know not even the math behind abuse, that, but, but that's a lot of fucking people. Right. Well, I, I did a little research on this, and if you go uh, look up, like, let's say YouTube, I typed metal music and mental health. Uh, Loudwire has done a few videos. Some, a couple of them are pretty good. There's a good one um, that got into statistics, and according to what Loudwire said, that there's uh, 26% of the population is di- it has a mental health issue but is not getting treated. 
and then a hot, you know that's I think the the number was uh, 26 million people okay some insane number like I don't know how many years ago the video was well well I'll double check on the stat but that's what was rattled off and then the great percentage of them turn to substances because they're not getting it treated and it doesn't automatically mean you know getting tossed zoloft that's not always the answer i've found out yeah after years i've battled myself you know i don't know i don't know if medication is exactly for everyone um in some instances i i do think it works especially for uh certain cases but there are other people like me who have gone years and years and years on and off different medications trying to figure out what works and what just makes everything absolutely fucking worse and it just it it, it gets to a point where is there really anything out there particularly for me like you know prescription wise that I can take that will make my fucking brain work normally I don't I don't think so anymore it's it's something that I think a lot more psychiatrists need to start paying attention to instead of whenever someone tells them, you know, hey, I'm I'm sad. I'm dealing with these things. This stuff happened to me. I think this is why maybe this is happening. And they're like, oh, OK, here's something that starts with a Z and ends with an S. And it just fucking ruins their brain sometimes. Like I, I was on some medications that were literally driving me insane. Like there was, there was one I remember in particular where I got prescribed it. And then out of nowhere, the next day when I was talking to my therapist, I started having like extreme, very involuntary, uh, homicidal thoughts to the person in front of me for no reason. And it was like that all day. Like anybody who talked to me, um, any, any, any um, scenario that my brain could come up with that day was just pure violence and hatred and anger. And I'm <laughs> I'm not like that, so it it scared the fuck out of me. And I immediately was just like, "Hey, I need I need to get off this. Let's try something different." Yeah. And then you got six weeks of trial. Yeah, and it's always that it really thing too. Starts working. No matter what you tell them, you could be like, "Hey, I'm thinking about killing myself again," and they'll just be like, "Oh, well, just give it a couple more weeks. It takes it takes a little bit to kick in. You know, you got to give it some time." <laughs> We, uh, I am, Mary and I both have been, um, subscribers to the, to the radio show, uh, podcast, uh, coast to coast AM. And they, you know, a lot of people, when you hear coast to coast, you think, oh, they're talking about Bigfoot and UFOs, which they do <laughs> at least once a week. Fuck yeah. But, but George Norrie, uh, over the course of the 20 years since he's been doing the show dedicates at least two, two to five shows a month about well-being, whether it's your body, your mind. And one of his regular guests, and uh, look him up, James, Dr. Peter Bregan. He is—he was a child psychiatrist, uh, is a child psychologist, retired now, psychiatrist in uh, New York State. I think it was Elmira. Um, wrote and written several books about psychiatric medications in children, and after do you know prescribing this stuff for years, I'll, I'll realized what he was doing. And his, his, uh, for every six months that you are on a psychiatric med- medication, your brain needs one year to recover, to get back to normal. So is that, so and it's he like has her medication? Proof. Yeah. And that's just like a general for any, any SS, MMRI or SSRI up, uptake inhibitor or whatever it is. 
that it, it especially alters young children's brain and that it, it's been overprescribed and it's caused an epidemic of, of uh, substance abuse because, you know, eventually they either stop taking it. But you, get, you should look that guy up and listen to some of his podcasts. It'll be really encouraging to you because he does offer solutions to mental health like meditation and diet and um, finding a purpose in life. All, like the, things, really all the things that I can't do on my own. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. That you can that you can take into your own hands. Exercise, huge one, huge. Um, I wish I could do that. I, there's, I used to be so fit and healthy and handsome. I can't get my brain to process that going and doing a few push-ups is better than eating a bag of hot chips. Yeah, I, uh, I gotta say, the year I had my heart attack, when your COVID was out, I did um, six months of rehab, cardiac rehab, and I was. Uh, I was faithful about it. I didn't miss many. I think the only time I missed was when I got the tick bite and the Rocky Mountain spotted fever that year. Oh, yeah. You know, I missed like a week, but I made it up. I basically completed it. In that year, I was in the best shape I had been in 20 years. Not only that, but my, uh, my A1C went down to almost non-diabetic. And it was basically just three days a week, 40 minutes at the at you know, exercising on a bike, treadmill. And then, you know, with work, I probably do 18, 20,000 steps a day on, on a, if we have multiple gigs. And I thought that was enough exercise. It's not because my A1C just went through the roof this year, you know. So it, you can't not say that it's good. But for me to stay in the habit personally, I'd like, it has to be like a doctor appointment. Jordan, your thoughts? Oh, which part? Um, exercise is great it's um it's a good i try to use that um but it's tricky to get out of the mindset of getting to it i guess i guess in terms of like exercise it's really difficult to make yourself do it so um yeah for me like i said for me it's that'll be a doctor appointment what about um you me you and i talked about medications uh in the truck yesterday heading downtown yeah um you know which you want to share with uh seven people <laughs> um i'm not a fan of uh pharmaceuticals um but uh i mean i had to take adderall as a child um prescription based wise it just gave me a bad taste in my mouth and i've seen how it in the area i grew up in how pharmaceuticals can have a negative effect abuse and um, with certain opio- opioids. Um, but yeah, I just try to uh, sip on the tea, just have some more holistic remedies. Anything that grows for, out of the ground, right? Pretty yeah, much, just yeah. natural. Um, just fungus, flower, um, tea. Yeah, fungus. Well, that's well, flower. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of weed. Yeah, go ahead. I'm good. I mean, lately I've just been. That's, Not even uh, consuming that. This is legal Delta 8 CBD purchased right down the road. You've been to Europe a few times. I've been there twice. And because of that, a lot of Europeans have come to Nashville and done some uh, stints. Some of them lived with Mary and I. Uh, Denmark, Sweden, uh, several people over the last 10 years, maybe even 15. We've had stayed our house for an extended period of time. Uh, many of the... Uh, the especially the college kids, they do three months abroad. And I remember the first time um, Andreas Larson was staying with us and 
a, a pharmaceutical commercial came on TV, and he literally belly laughed. He thought it was the dumbest, most ridiculous thing. He's like, what? You guys advertise pills on TV? <laughs> you know, because Denmark is a socialist nation. They're taxed very highly, but they just walk into the doctors and get whatever they need. You pay for it. You pay about half of your income in taxes, but they're happy people. They're listed as one of the happiest uh, countries in the world. Did you know that stat? Denmark is. They, I mean, that's pretty been, dope. That's, right. uh, that's better than us. But when he saw watch this commercial and i think it was for an antidepressant and they show this chick frolicking through a field of daisies mm. and you know and then at the end they're zipping through the what made them laugh was the side effect and they're going through suicidal thoughts homicidal thoughts uh, if you're allergic to it and have an you know uh, allergic reaction please stop taking this drug and call your doctor immediately yeah legal legal team puts those commercials together and it just all it did here was get more people on drugs and make them cost more when when it became legal to advertise medication on television. You know, I think they should start doing medication commercials in, in general uh, instead of doing like all the, the happy. Yeah, um, they should just like <laughs> be just dramatic as fuck and just like have, you know, a real life situation where someone's just fucking sitting there in a corner. It's dark. Everything sucks. And you like that that's that's just it. It's just someone sitting in a dark corner hating their life. And then it'll slowly go over all the things that could go wrong. Yeah, I know. And increase that fucking mindset. Yeah, so that that's what made us big pharma nation. Um and I, I uh I liked Reagan as a president, but it was his administration that allowed that to happen and it changed everything it gave him too much power and way too much money i think the name of the book that that dr peter Bregan wrote was the medicated child you want to get into more personal stuff with yourself we've talked about medicine a little bit uh I want, when mary comes in i want to get back to that and get her perspective because mary uh you know watched me uh, on multiple different things whether it was an opiate or an antidepressant and how it you know the dark side of the tusks as they say, but what's on your mind? You want to hit note B there? Letter B or C? Whichever one you want. Uh, yeah, actually, going back into the increased percentage of suicides inside um, just a musician community in general. Um, this is off of Quora, 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 Quora. I don't fucking know. Quora, it starts Quora. with a Q and ends with an A dot yeah. com. Quora, Quora. Um, there is... Uh, a passage from this person called Marlene Daytrick, I think is how you say it. Um, and it basically just goes into this thing about, you know, one of the main reasons that a musician ends up having so much mental health trouble outside of, you know, like what you went through growing up or anything like that is that just being a musician in general, uh, like the lifestyle is just depressing as fuck. Um, there's, you know, like your, your loved ones, your friends, like all the people that you would hope would support you in you know, your endeavors and whatever you want to do in your life. Most of them in the beginning, unless you have like a, a pretty solid parental figure person in your life that, you know, like will support you in whatever you do rarely get that it's it's usually hey i actually like you know when they when they start seeing that you're not just trying to play like 
shitty bars and shitty shows and you know you're putting your money into it and you're 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 constantly spending all of your time on it and all you want to talk about is that and you know they they realize this is like what they're actually trying to do you know they're not going to college they're not pursuing some huge fucking salary gig job it's they're trying to be a musician most families from what I've seen, you don't get a lot of support from that. It's, it's especially like if, you know, your parents aren't even into fucking music or, you know, your family or your friends or whatever. They're just, most of them are like, ah, maybe get a day job. You know, like it's, it's rare that you have someone that actually is just from the get go. I'm 100% with you, you know, and a lot of people have that in a normal home when they're going to a new job or, you know, doing something with their life in general you know it, it it it's rare that they're like oh hey maybe you should uh not take that really good salary job uh just because you know like it it's just one of those things where mm-hmm. it's, I, I mean and it's I, okay me i i went through this you know like i fucking I, my dad uh was and is a, a musician and you know he tried hard for many many long years and made a lot of like you know like stretches and and got like certain places and had a really good old fucking time doing it but um to him it never it went to the expectations that he wanted it to with his life in general so me getting into music in the beginning it was definitely i could you know like he he wanted to be supportive, but at the same time, I, you know, I kept hearing a lot of like, you know, like, Hey, like you still need to like, you need to go to college, something worthwhile with your life, you know, because there's like, there's not a huge percent chance that this is going to happen. It's a very, very low percentage, you know, look at me, look at all the work that I put into it and I didn't get anywhere, you know, and a lot of people don't. Um, and, I know that for him, technically, that was him just trying to tell me, you know, hey, be careful type thing and because he cared. He didn't want to basically see me end up like him and his perspective of him. But it, it was never like I, ne- I never got I never really got a fuck yeah from him, you know, mm-hmm. and until until recently when I started doing, you know, I guess, you know, it's it's been years. It's been four fucking years now that I've been doing this, maybe five. And they <laughs> maybe maybe him and, you know, the rest of my family see, oh, he's 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 going to do this. He's actually trying it. Um, I don't really still I don't you know, I don't get I don't man. I'm really trying to not sound like a dick. I'm not trying to like shit on my family right now. Like, I'm. I, it's just I wish that I would have gotten some sort of pat on the back, a push forward, like, you know, like something that actually made me feel good about what I was doing because it's not a fucking hobby. It's something that I've focused on almost 24 seven every fucking day since I've started. And even if I'm like just sitting there brooding on the couch, watching TV, hating my fucking life, I will think about, you know, like what's, what's something, even though like it's probably way out of my budget, at least try to imagine like what I could do to make things advance and go forward and, you know, make it a career. And, you know, I'm always looking for like the next big fucking thing that I can do 
that will get me out there. And that's something that you also do when you're fucking in college or, you know, like, you know, doing exactly what the fuck you want to do with your life. You work for it hard every day. You don't stop thinking about it. I never got, and a lot of my friends that I, I, I got to bring that in too. Most fucking people that I know, their parents did not care for it at all. You know, like their, their friends, their family, their brothers, their sisters, their cousins, their fucking everyone that they were constantly surrounding themselves with were basically, even if they weren't meaning to putting a boot down, like, you know, crushing dreams, you know, and it, and it fucking sucks. And that's why a lot of musicians end up going into like this, like hardcore, you know, like, spaciness like they yeah. they start like they don't want to be around people as much they they don't want to leave the fucking house you know like they end up like just keeping themselves away from the public so much that they start honing in on certain emotions that they were usually over you know able to look over on a, on a daily basis like you know like you're like ah, oh, this sucks but then you know most normal brains will be like oh this sucks but I can do something about it or, you know, like whatever. But like you start sitting in that hole for as long as you do and not talk to anybody and not do any sort of communication, I guess, just in general. Um, you, you start, you're, 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 you're the only motherfucker there. So you really start listening to yourself and you really start possibly honing in on all too bit, all the bad things all the bad qualities, all the bad thoughts, all the all, all the bad that is inside you can start leaking out because no one's there uh, to stop it, you know? Well, I'm going to say two things. Well, first of all, I want to comment on what you, when you were talking about parents not, you know, what you really would have wanted from your dad you didn't get. He wasn't stopping you by any means, but he didn't give you – and I, and I, as a parent now, okay, I can say, I, I think I know why, because for me, I'm going to speak about me personally, when I held my son in my hands for the first time, and then my daughter, and then I had a stepdaughter, uh, I don't know, so much in me changed in, in, a, in a switch. The first thing that happened that I couldn't watch horror films anymore. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, in the last it just, it yeah. was, it was an instantaneous thing. And I had gotten into horror. Um, after my father passed away, my dad passed away young, 46, I, you know, I was 21, you know, and that sucked because he was a good man and we were close, you know, mm. um, I had a hard time with it for a very long time and triggered, triggered medications, triggered substance abuse. And then I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get married and have kids. That'll fill the hole. And I just got married without really falling in love, <laughs> um, and learned that the hard way. But, um, when you when you hold a child that is yours something happens and something changes and then you watch them grow up and you just don't want your kids to do the same dumb shit you did because i caused a lot of my own suffering that is exactly basically how he put it, it. that comes from <laughs> a, that comes from a love point you know that comes from him loving you and not wanting you know knowing he knew what the end goal was your dad knew what the end goal for him was to be big and to make a living out of it. And, you know, his band was pretty, it was well known. He was regional. He was, I mean, I know the history of, 
of it. I'm sure there were dark things that went along with it that he really regrets. Drugs are one of them, you know? Yeah. And for me, I'm talking to me now, okay? I'm sorry I'm mixing the two, but no, I'm, no, I'm speaking it, from my yeah. perspective. And, you know, I was not not a musician, but I was a disc jockey. Um, and it didn't matter. You're around music clubs, bars. Um, it, it's there, you know? <laughs> it was That's there. That's another thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's every time that you go play a show, it's fucking there. Yeah. Whether it be Coke or booze. Hell, math right. if you're into it. Yeah. Fucking everything, man. Like, it's it, no matter what, there's somebody there that can get you something. And when you have drowned yourself in them things for, you know, however long or for whatever reasons, it's very, very hard to, like, not uh, succumb to it. You know, it's it's hard to, it, you know, people are just like, ah, oh, just say no. Just say no. That's all it takes. I don't fucking think anyone who has ever said just say no has ever fucking had to deal with, like, looking at something and wishing you can look away so badly like you, you, you can't. Your 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 entire body can feel it in the air at at points. You know, like it. I've recently, you know, been trying to be more sober and you know, uh, focus on my my mental shit and 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 everything like that in general. Um, but you know, like I still have friends that I have explicitly told, "Do not fucking bring it around me." How many fucking times do I got to tell you? Mm. Don't fucking bring it. But they do, you know? And, you know, like, it's like, don't invite me to this one specific bar where you know I'm going to make the worst decisions of my life again and again and again and again and again. I've explicitly been like, hey, I, I, I you know, I need some help from, from y'all. Like, support me as a human being and don't bring me around it. I can only control myself so much type stuff. And they just do it again. And again, and again, and it's one of them things where you have to start focusing on uh, who the fuck is your is your friend, really, you know, right. like, and yeah. I mean, there are certain people in there that probably very much do care about you and love you to death, but they are so fucking stuck in their own little fucking hole that, you know, like, they don't, they don't, like, they want you to do better, but they also don't want to watch you go. They don't want you to leave. They don't want you to leave them in that rut by themselves, and it sucks. And I and I get it, but uh, uh, it's it's not it's not cool, and that's just something that a lot of musicians have to deal with in general. You know how many how I don't know how many fucking friends that I have that have gone through these phases of man, I need to fucking sober up. And every time that is, someone has told me that. I go out of my fucking way to make sure that my friend isn't is is doing that. You know, like mm-hmm. I I don't fucking bring it around them. I don't bring them to places with it. I don't, you know, like I I I start going on fucking nature hikes and stuff with these people like mm-hmm. stuff that I rarely do that I mean hell, I wish I would do more, but like I, you know, like I go out of my fucking way to make sure that like they're going to be okay. Right. Because that's a very fucking hard thing to go through. <clears throat> Well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's, I need a refill on my tea. We're about uh, 30 minutes into this first segment. We're going to, we're going to do uh, one of your songs. I'm going to actually, if you're on YouTube, uh, we're going to have the video knock a few buck, but let's listen to some tunes, take a break from such heaviness. Right, before but, we take this break, yes. I want everyone to know that though this is called metal and mental health, and we will be talking about other musicians. 
Yeah. I'm going to be ranting so fucking hard yeah. today. It's going to be fun. <laughs> James Cole the fourth with a lot of good friends uh, of mine too in this video. Um, if you're in the local Nashville area, you're in the metal scene. There's a good chance you've already seen it. Um, but a lot of good local boys in there. I love this video. It makes me laugh uh, so much. It just you did a great take. Uh, you're, you you did a cover of a, of a rap song and uh, let's just check it out listen to it go to youtube channel listen to us on music city metal coming up mary fish is going to be with us um we are going to dive in deeper and i kind of want to comment about when you said you're alone um and i believe that you're alone but you're only alone in body and mind there's another thing called the spirit we're three things but we'll, we'll, let's hear music first music city metal here's james cole with nothing be buck
Music City Metal, that was Knuck If You Buck, James Cole IV, or James Cole the Fourth, depending on what you want to, what mood you're in. We're <laughs> back, and we're back with Mary Fish. Yay. Yay. How's work? Mary. <laughs> <sighs> My resume is updated. Well, is it? It's always, always <laughs> updated. Jordan's usually, his face is usually full of expression, and today's you're not. You're just like reading. You're different when you're just we're talking, or when you're reading the room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, dude, that's a great video. You're doing another one, right? You're gonna do another cover video. You want to? Uh, you want to? Before yeah. we get back into the heavy stuff, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. So I have a Spotify playlist filled with bangers <laughs> them 2000 early 2000 fucking rap and r&b fucking bangers dude i love 2000s rap i think the 2000s it got all fucking man it got it got all sorts of goofy and all sorts of the right ways and i love it so much yeah um i i believe uh some of them that you know might happen might not happen but definitely ones that i definitely want to do um pop lock it drop it <laughs> sure why uh, not dude, but james uh, cole Nelly, grills style like oh uh like okay. really really go for like even like that like just like superficial gangster shit like i fucking i i want to do it so bad they're so fun to do like in, in the studio recording it is just like the stupidest and most fun experience ever because like you're like you're having to like you know scream so fuck like and then it fucking like you, you like end up goofing up and shit like that, and it, like it's just it's it's funny as fuck. Like me and me and Robbie, whenever we were recording that, we're just like having a really good fucking time. And he he would either just be like, yeah, that was it, or he'd be like, no. It's just it's it's another TikTok thing. I'm you know I'm trying out the uh, the, the TikTok stuff. Um, so far it's been doing pretty okay. Uh, there are certain videos that like got more views on TikTok than it ever got on Instagram or Facebook. So that was like, wow. you know, that's, that's, that's dope. It's got more interaction. A lot of people like, you know, comment and it's very nice. You know, it's, 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 it's weirdly, uh, rewarding. <laughs> well, before this episode is out, we're going to do one more by you too. We'll make sure we keep the music thing in there. But now Mary, we've been uh, talking about mental health and music. Uh, James got pretty personal. I did a little bit. He went into big pharma, medications, and substance abuse a little bit. And I know that one thing, not only with Fish Fest that you and I do together uh, with uh, the AFSP, like because we've been through suicide personally in each of our families, and then you and I, many people know we discovered one of our good friends. We were the ones who found, found the person. And um, so it's a life-changing thing. Um, but you also do things with your job too, your day job about mental health. You you guys have like where you want to jump in and just get the next segment going. Well, I think that corporate America may have gotten a little bit bandwagony because now it's all you hear about. Like we, you know, we went for decades that if you couldn't do your job or you had to take time off or you were a mom or any other number of reasons why you couldn't just plow through and do your work, then you were, I don't want to say like labeled, but 
you didn't get the promotions, you didn't get the raises, you didn't get a seat at the table, and now all of a sudden this is all we talk about everywhere, which is not a bad thing, but um, I think that at work it has to be done in moderation because there's still a stigma of if I tell my boss that I need a day off because, so, you know, X, some circumstance happened in my life, Am I going to be seen as weak, not a team player, can't do my job, can't handle stress, all these things? It's still that still exists to get people to actually speak up or like I have. That's why I wasn't in here in the first part of the episode, because one of the people on my team called me and she's totally opposite. She will tell me everything that happened to her down to the little personal one conversation we've had over time she was in the bathroom because she was trying to get away from her children so she could talk but I'm pretty sure she was like in the bathroom while she was talking to me on the phone (laughs) because she just needed time to vent and talk and um there's there's two sides of that there's people like that that will tell you everything and why and are okay with their circumstances and other people still um I mean even myself personally I don't go to my boss with every single personal thing that happens as to why I am a certain way at work um I'm still very guarded and cautious about that because I don't want people to go oh she goes to a 12-step program what's her problem you know like people there's still a stigma of that and there are some brave people who have come out from behind um 12-step programs and said things publicly and then I myself have been guilty of judging and going, oh, no wonder she's an alcoholic. That's why she acts that way. And I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just what did I just do? But that's I think that's what we've been trained in the corporate setting that you're so judgmental. If somebody just can't bring everything 110 percent to the table, then they're not they're not a good worker. They're not a team player. All all those labels that we put on people. So I've had to check myself and be like no has nothing to do with the fact that she's an alcoholic she's having a bad day or whatever you know yeah and reset my own thinking on that um but yeah it's it's weird yeah so that (laughs) (laughs) it's just weird at work i don't know corporate america most but there is a lot of you see a lot more commercials about it but in regards to the metal scene the what was the the stat you, you said 19% higher on, we were talking about suicide, Around the, just yeah, in the 19. metal realm here, right? Okay. To get back to the metal realm. If you go watch this video on Loudwire, it'll tell you a lot of the stats, but are, there is a higher percentage of suicide in the metal community. So back to you, what's uh, carry on from the last segment? Because I was thinking about corporate America. And I, well, inside, I... I I mean, I didn't mean to. No, no, it's important we ask. Out in left field, but I am part of a group, and here's the corny thing about corporate America. We're called mental wealth, right? Because I'm in finance. So we're the mental wealth employee resource group, which somebody thought was cute and corny. But I put it in my signature line, and, you know, a lot of the people in my little circle of work friends are like, oh, yeah, you're that mental health first aider person, you know. So-and-so needs to talk about something. Can I give them your name? Yeah, absolutely. There's like a training, you know, a certification that you have to take. Because a lot of times there are warning signs. It doesn't matter if you're at home, at work, with your friends, whatever, your bandmates. 
there's little red flags. We've all seen the red flags, and sometimes you don't want to go. What's the matter? Because a lot of times people think, asking you what's the matter, oh, my God, I'm going to send him, you know, like, James, have you contemplated suicide? That's a serious conversation, but some people think, oh, my God, if I say the S word, then that person's going to, I'm going to put suicide in their head, and then they're going to go do it, and then it's going to be my fault. You know, people don't realize just having a conversation, a simple conversation like that. Changes everything. It can. I, ho- I hope it does for whoever. Yeah, I, I, I do that. Like, you know, if I if if I have someone that's, like, going down a really tough road, and I've had a lot of friends do that, you know, I, I don't really hold back. Whenever, if you know, if I care about someone, then I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that they're okay. So I, I've asked, like, and I, I've, you know, gone deep and dirty. And I think that's what everyone should be doing at all times. Like, if you see someone is actually going through something, then you shouldn't be scared to ask them what the fuck is going on. Because you could be the one reason why they don't do something stupid because you were the only motherfucker who, in their mind came out of the blue with people not caring, you know, like, cause like your brain will tell you that people are not going to fucking care in, in general. So a lot of people end up not even saying anything to anybody. People will be like, I never even saw the fucking signs. And it's like, yeah, no shit. You didn't pay attention. You uh, one of the things you said last segment was being alone. And when, and that's when you're having sometimes bad thoughts, right? You know, negatives, negatives, whether it's negative self-talk um, that just, in, you know, is the manifestation of a mental illness pro- problem, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression. But one thing that has helped me, and I'm not by any means saying I'm perfect or I have, you know, I have uh, met the top of the mountain yet. I'm still climbing, but learning this spiritual connection, that there's three parts to us. There's, there's mind, there's body, there's spirit. And um when you're you're in those moments of your your mind that is not your spirit talking to you your spirit is when you want to make sure someone's okay that is your heart that's your spirit coming out right but when you're alone and your brain is just saying things to you it's it's generally most of the time not true 99 percent of what you say to yourself in your mind only is a lie and uh this is you know lots of money in 20 years of uh, having an outstanding counselor who got to know me got to know our family knows my kids knows mary and um so yeah the the spirit thing now i was brought up as a christian i'm still call myself a believer i love the lord but i don't go to church every week um but i do have a personal spirit thing and the thing that I don't do that many, many other Christians do is judge. Look at, you know, I went through something with my cousin who's a pastor, right? Long hair, smoking weed, had my uh, Metallica jacket on there. It's hanging up, <laughs> hanging on Henry behind you. And we got into this discussion about, you know, how do you love Jesus with a big devil on the back? And I'm like, I just do. And it's a personal thing. I said, but I'm trying to reach a crowd here. You think if you walked up to them and said, what, what do you think of Jesus? They're going to flip you off, mm. but I'm going to love on them first. Mm. And if, if they ask, I'm going to tell them. Or if they're in a place where, you know, what, what God got me through, and that was just personal faith, not religion, not rules, 
not, but taking to the T to the nth degree, loving others. You know, I, I, I want a simple God is love. And if you believe that, that equals love. So when you're loving on someone, you're sharing God with them. And they don't, no one even, we're not talking about it. You're seeing it and you're feeling it first. Um, so that's where I stand. I says, like, I'm a, I'm a sheep in wolf's clothing, man. That's all. I had shut him up. I mean, he, he, you know, I think he got what I was saying. He was just all about the rule part of Christianity. Like, how can you do that? You know, <laughs> call yourself a Christian, you know. Um, so anyway, I think that that is an important part. And a lot of when you say you're alone and I don't know the path for you to do it. Meditation is a great start to try and get the mind, body, spirit connection going. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the God that I believe in. It could be the universe. I mean, you know, because it's something bigger, just something bigger than you. Universe is definitely bigger than me and you put together, all four of us. You know, if you start there, I don't know. Just I, I think that's what it was the thing that always kept me from suicide in those moments of coming down from, uh, you know, like a, a drug binge um, because of the love for my family and knowing that they would hurt the rest of their lives. That 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 thought of that, my wife, my I mean, just the thought of them having to deal with it would stop me from really doing it but i was i was close a couple times i was telling myself you're going to be nothing but an addict for the rest of your life this is you right here that's it and that was that's not true you know (laughs) yesterday's yesterday today's today and um you know if you survive you don't end up in jail or six feet under at this point um then you don't have to be today you know so anyway that's just one i wanted to try and throw some hope in there but I mean, let's face it, it's still a really dark problem, man, you know, um, since COVID, anxiety, I don't know the numbers, now. do you know any statistics of like post-COVID anxiety, depression, and and suicides? I know they're, it's through the roof, it's why we did Fish Fest in the middle of it. It's like a thing on social media, I see a lot of people who are more prone to, you know, uh, at least online supporting someone when they are going through something, you know, like it'll be like, Oh, I'm having a bad mental health day. That'll be the post. And then I've seen like, you know, a shit ton of people just go in there and like actually, you know, comment advice and, you know, whatever, um, you know, uh, influencers and stuff talk about depression and stuff a lot more now. Um, whether or not, some of those influencers actually deal with it. I don't fucking know because there are there. That's another thing. There is a huge spike of people who have seen that, you know, mental health is something that is being taken care of and is being paid attention to. And they use that as a way to uh, bring attention to themselves. And that's something that uh, insanely uh, pisses me off. And I, 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 wish that it would stop because that's just that's not helping at all it's a very serious thing it's a very serious issue um i make the worst crudest most horrific jokes all the time with my uh with my close circle um and anybody that knows me you know i i say some pretty you know like (laughs) stupid shit sometimes but it's all in like goof and fun but when you start using that as something to bring attention to yourself it's not doing anything for the actual problem 
Yeah, we got into the social media thing here, and funny thing is, is we are going to use every piece of social media to get this podcast out there, so we use it, all of us use it here on some level. I hate it. I, I'm starting to, I'm st- it's starting to drive me in, insane. I, I, I wish I didn't have to look at other people's lives every day. I wish I could just focus on mine more or the people around me, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just coming to a point where do we really need it that bad? I wish we could just go back to radio stations, uh, CDs, VHS yeah. players. Um, if you if you uh, wanted to go see someone, you just kind of showed up at their door. You didn't have to well, like we could start our own community. You, you didn't have to make plans a week ahead or text them or call them or anything. You just show up and be like, "What up, homie?" And they're like, "Oh, hey, it's the guy." You know, I I miss that. Yeah, I I don't like it either. And and I had talked about with you. You know, we we're setting up our conversations for the show when when facebook started i was still um i was in the middle of multiple surgeries in in a few years um i was still on heavy narcotics and the first thing that i started doing on social media was complaining about my back pain i mean i'd talk about it almost every single day and it was like i i don't know what woke me up from that i think what what started to change it was a book that I read called Back in Control, and it was a spine surgeon wrote this book who has an actual podcast, and he deals now more talking about your mental health than your physical health, and you use that. But that's what began, you know, and it was his book would say, first thing, don't talk about your pain. Don't complain. That's all I've been doing the last couple of days, I realized, you know. That's all I, I had a rough one at work, and just nothing seemed to be working, and I'd be talking about it and making noises and it doesn't do any good. All it does is reinforces that pain. Um, but I just, you know, I realized what I was doing. Like, well, this is dumb. No one cares. First of all, how much your back hurts today. I was, you know, doing it quite often. And then, you know, it got to the point where I didn't do, you know, other than helping produce podcasts, you know, for pastor Bob and things like that. I just no politics, no religion, music fishing and now it's pretty much just music in my family you know and i go once a week and catch up and thank goodness mary does a good job for the podcast socials that were even have any presence at all because i just i can't do it i deleted twitter a year like two years ago oh, twitter couldn't do it anymore. that is the worst place on the planet yeah, i don't know just couldn't do it man it was the idea was amazing to bring people together like the first early years of that, I got in touch with high school friends that I hadn't talked to since then and reconnected on a, with a lot of people. That was cool. But now it's just a platform like a, that. There's a 14-year-old girl who hung herself about a week ago live on Facebook because she was sexually assaulted at school. And then she was mocked because of it. And uh, the story's out there. I, I don't, you know, that's the gist of it. It's it's heartbreaking and that's what it's become that it's used for so much shit there's something weird about human nature and maybe jordan has like a professional aspect from his um doctorate or what have you (laughs) in the social sciences world but i feel like there's a thing with human nature where people want to somebody to feel bad for them or somebody to like well, my shit's worse than yours, you know, like you try, you tell somebody something that's happening with you. And the first thing that we're trained on is to just to listen 
Sometimes you don't want somebody to say, oh, yeah, my dog died, too. The person telling you <laughs> that doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody comes to you with something, listening and saying, you know, giving feedback on what's happening with them, not using a story. And, and most people don't do it to one-up somebody. Some people do because they crave that feedback as well. Like, oh, well, my story is worse than yours. But... I think that's what happened to social media is that people put like their online diary basically mm. out there and then it either pisses somebody off, you know, right. stirs up controversy, makes people not be friends anymore. Well, I'm going to unfriend you. Yeah. Okay. Whoop de doo. Mm. You know, like I don't go through my friends list and go, oh my gosh, now I only have 572. Yesterday I had 575. Unfriend me if you yeah. don't, you know, like I don't care. And then the people that put up the posts, about if you don't like what i'm about to say go ahead and unfriend me right now like is really we're grown-ups yeah. what you know what does it come to so but now that it's come to that point right we got to put this into perspective okay if someone unfriends you on facebook they ain't your friend so if you see them in person and they act like you're your fan this motherfucker problem in this motherfucker right yeah (laughs) it's stupid it the the whole social status of what we do to have friends is is weird like you you legitimately have to watch what you say um all the time almost i mean you know other than certain people um because if you say something that someone disagrees with it's automatically like cut and dry that's there's it's black and white baby there's no gray like nothing it's just you if, if you disagree with me then we can't even be around each other and that's a horrible mentality that has been taken on like within the past at least 10 years you know it's it's something that has definitely been driven from social media and i'm quite confident of that it's it's become a war of opinions Right, which is divide and conquer. That, that was your comment last night. It's divide and conquer. <laughs> Staying silent. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying Onyx. to get him to the mic. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple of things happen. Uh, well, multiple times, and I'm guilty of this myself. Um, don't put a picture up because I told somebody else I was somewhere else, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't put no post tonight. Or, this literally happened. A very good friend of mine called me up. And said, Larry, are you mad at me? And I'm like, uh, no, just been busy. Well, you didn't like, <laughs> you didn't hit the like button. I, I swear to God, this was a real conversation mm-hmm. with someone who is a good friend. Okay. But uh, made in a, had, you know, again, thinking to his, his own brain, lying to him. Oh, Larry's pissed at me because he didn't hit the <laughs> like. Honest to God. And I'm like, seriously, That's man? Crazy. Yeah, I'm like, I love you, dude. Come on, I'm just busy, you know? And I hung up, it really hit me like, wow, this is how much it's affected our lives in a bad way. Outside from reconnecting friends and the music scene, obviously promotion, of, you know, any one of us, you know, sitting here, anyone in the planet's going to be able to hear this. And part of it's because of social media, or we're going to promote it on our Instagram page. And, you know, we have a decent amount of followers. And so we need it. But there's this negative side to it that I just can't stand. That's another thing that has happened with becoming a musician. If you want to make it, especially as a solo artist, you can't 
not engage with your fans every day. Almost every day. You know, there's some people that get away with maybe two or three days a week. But, like, you constantly have to make posts and, like, keep people involved. You're constantly in literal, in, in, in every literal sense of form, you're, you're begging for attention. And that becomes a mindset that you have to bring on even if you're not, like, thinking about it. Like, it's there. There's no escaping it. You have to beg for attention in order to make it now. Mm. And it's also something that I think is just human-wide now. You know, there are people who literally have a normal, everyday job, life, don't do anything, like, super interesting, but, like, they crave having a following on their socials to where, like, you know, if they don't have a certain thousands of followers, they're not happy yet. You know, like, that's, like, they, they have to have that attention every day almost. That's not a healthy thing to have brought onto ourselves. And I don't know if it's, like, escapable at this point. Um, you know, it's almost addicting to some people. I hate it. I, I absolutely hate it, which is why I'm so shitty at social media. <laughs> <laughs> so let's face it, music. Music is one thing for the masses, especially in the metal scene, that I have turned to over the years when I'm feeling angry, when I'm sad when whatever and i've i that that for my life has become an outlet it has become medicine to me in many ways um so i think uh and i'm i'm, I'm sure even on the again on that loudwire video we've referred to this a few times that uh, the gentleman who does the 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 clip there said that metalheads turn to music mm-hmm. as part you know the mosh pit thing now there's there's something therapeutic about it Right. I mean, you're not going to go out and cause, get, you know, <laughs> you know, do that. I, I love you, watching it, it but I can't do it anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm getting punched in the face whenever I yeah, go it's 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 because people are more pissed off and more anxious and more everything else. But, you know, for example, um, I took a class on grief when I was going through um, a, a several year intensive thing about learning how to live with chronic pain off opiates. So I took a class called Living Well with Chronic Pain. I took a class called uh, Grieving Mindfully. And I'm going to tell you how I am so thankful for that because <clears throat> I was pissed off for 12 years after my dad died. I, I stayed in that one phase of grief for so long. I was stuck. After I took the class, you learned about the phases and how you recognize because grief is a big part of bringing on depression, anxiety, okay, whatever the loss is. Now, I had obviously, you know, when you say grief, you think of the loss of of a loved one, of death. Mm -hmm. But there's other things you grieve, loss of a job, Mm -hmm. loss of a relationship, loss of uh, my physical ability to do what I used to do. Um, That was the one, that was my focus while taking that course. So then not long after that, uh, two short years later, my mom passed. And uh, I what a completely different um, process for me. I, I wasn't pissed off for 10 years or depressed. But one of the tools that, that I think guided me through almost every phase is Parkway Drive's album, Reverence. Because it was an entire album about, about death and loss. It was kind of conceptual in a way. Some of them, you know, 
some of it was anger at the government, which I love. I love that stuff. But when you really dig in, you go listen to that album from start to finish. Each one of them, when they wrote that, they had had a loss as a band with friends by suicide. They, and they, uh, some had family members die. Some had good friends die. And it brought that album out. And I listened to it all the time. And there were certain songs, depending on how I was feeling, um, if I wanted to be sad, I'd listen to one particular song. If I just wanted to, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, a, a different one, like In Blood. It got me through that process in like a year. I listened to it nonstop. It started to drive you nuts. Mm-hmm. She had, she's like, please, please, please. <laughs> I get into the modes like that. But I'd really like to, uh, for part two of this podcast, it's very obvious we're going to have to do this in two parts. Yeah. yeah, because we're just scratching the surface, and uh, I want to play some more of your music, and then we're actually going to go try and score tickets for Parkway Drive, which is tonight. Mm-hmm. Date of this recording is February 14th. Happy Valentino's Day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, don't wish me a happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, Mary and I boycotted it about 20 years ago, and we uh, we started this little thing called Valentino's Day where – we would go out to dinner the following weekend, but the day after, like tomorrow morning, we'll both be at the store buying up everything that they're throwing at you, 50% off. <laughs> and it was just like we were kind of flipping off Hallmark for saying, screw you for raising the prices. Everything's more expensive because you say it's a day I have to say I love you to my to your significant other. We just we do it when we want to and save money. So there, yeah, so Valentino's there. day. I've, I've always had that that mindset with you on that stuff. I've always like my entire life because <laughs> I never had a Valentine. <laughs> I didn't care for the motherfucking thing in the first place. I like literally all my all my life. <laughs> I and and now uh, now that it's back again. And it was like, you know what? You know what? No, fuck that. No. She made it so goddamn cute. Because I told her, hey, this is, uh, I, because we both didn't give a shit about it. But I was like, I have never had one before. So she went out of her fucking way, like, mm-hmm. treated me like a king, dude. Like, it was, like, the coolest <laughs> experience <laughs> ever. Um, so now that it's not here this year. <laughs> It's kind of like, man, you know what? It's like a scene red everywhere. Oh, my God, (laughs) dude. You know what? I'm I'm not fucking, I'm going nowhere tonight, okay? I'm going to go to my fucking house, and I'm going to, I'm going to have a bag of spicy chips, maybe, maybe some, some uh, oven made pizza, Mm. and, and something sour, something sweet, and I'm going to put on my favorite horror movie, and I'm going to uh, enjoy myself. All right. By myself, God damn it. Well, let's uh, let's play another tune you sent me too. We played "Knock If You Buck." What's the name of this next one? Luck you wanna... if you're a duck. Come on, Jordan. I have never seen you so expressionless <laughs> in the last three days we've been hanging out together. Than right now, is this too depressing? His mind is somewhere else. Um, there's okay. there's one thing that I want to say before we go. I've been trying to figure this out in my head for a minute. Mental health is like having a car. As long as you keep, you know, changing the liquids in it, you know, taking care of all the little tiny things that you need to take care of to make the whole thing work properly, you'll be okay. But 
sometimes there are certain things in life that we don't notice are as heavy on our minds as they are until it's too late. Mm. Um, so say that you get in a little fender bender in your car and you don't do anything about it. You know, it could be days, it could be weeks, months, years, but at one point something is going to pop up from not taking care of that and make the car not work anymore. Mm. I think it's very important that we all start focusing on our mental health. I'm tired of it being such a prominent fucking thing in this world. Yeah. All the time. And it seems like it's for everybody. It needs to stop. So take care of your shit. Take care of it, man. And, you know, uh, I... uh, (laughs) It just makes me, I, I, it's such a big problem and it makes me just want to love. And I have this kindness thing sometimes to my own detriment detriment. Um, but you know, like hearing that story a few days ago about the 14 year old girl, man, I just like, I don't know. It just makes me want to love on more people. The ones that are immediately around me or whoever I come in contact. I don't know. That's how I deal with it because it can send you to a bad place, you know, just, listening to all these statistics especially post-covid um but yeah reach so, out to you know, go ahead no that's out, all finish sorry yeah, just reach out to someone and i don't know suicide thing is uh, gets very personal with me so sometimes i think i'm good there <laughs> i've gotten choked up enough <laughs> but what i'm hearing being said is that there's such an over concentration now on mental health let's just look at it from a wide angle and how what happened to get us there right so if that young girl had that happen to her and couldn't first of all parents uh, that's all I can say right I was not a perfect parent but you think about that in that household you know, maybe she was taught, don't cry, keep your feelings to yourself, be a big girl, whatever the case may be, and couldn't get to someone to express that, or a sibling, or a friend, or a grandparent, or somebody, because of the things that we as grown-ups, that generation, that could that kid could have been ours at that age, right? Right. So what are we teaching these kids yeah. to not to not be able to even come to us as parents to say she trusted this guy enough for that situation to happen and then to not have the resources to reach out to before she got to such a terrible place? What led up to that? You know what I mean? Yeah, there had to be red flags leading up to that anyway that somebody somewhere missed because for those events to happen like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something more that happened in that girl's life leading up to that. Who missed those red flags? Is it social media because she's trying to be cute, trying to be pretty, trying to have friends, trying to have a Valentine? I can't imagine that today how many people are going to be upset because they didn't get, somebody didn't like their picture, somebody didn't give them flowers, mm-hmm. somebody... 
broke up with them yeah. today, whatever well, the case again, may be. This goes back to social media with the the case that we're talking Holy about. Holy shit! That's think about I'm how saying. many people are actually going through that. All all today, all today. Think about how right. like yeah. if Loneliness, you could take yeah. all those emotions and put it in a bowl, how fucking big would that bowl be? Yeah, I know. Huge. Exactly. It would oh, be geez. huge, all Jesus. because. We've been taught that this one fancy day, even the little kids, the little kindergartners bring yeah. their little Valentine off the cereal box to school. I forgot we all did that. Yeah. It I was taught so get, young. Yes. I never got Valentine. I, I never got See, one either. You remember that. Yeah, I, I mean, you hold actually, on to that for the rest of your fucking life. I was a little bit older and, you know, I got a couple, but there was always the, you know. I don't know. There was always the one dude that all the girls like. But, yeah, you know, we all had our own box and, you know, I'd. Like Charlie yeah. Brown, he came yeah. home with an empty little, <laughs> empty little Valentine that, that mailbox. Was me. That was me. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I do remember that. I I hated it. I hated doing it. You know. And then you give a Valentine to someone else, and they reject it. Or that was just too much pressure. Right. At that age, you know. It's that's like, I think it's that's like why trying I'm, to invite kids to your I'm birthday party. Boycotted it. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll you know. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Damn. Right. So these things we learn from childhood that just build up as we age. You know, and your grown-up mind tries to reason with the things that happened to you as a kid. Where, how do you, how do you reconcile all that? I, good question. It's that's, rhetorical, that's how you can obviously. Just make it bigger. But you know, a lot of times too. You know, the one thing before we're going to play this song, and then we'll we'll go into part two here. We're going to carry this over to a second part. But you know, we get colds, right? Physical cold. You're sick for about a week. You know, if you come out and say, oh, I have a mental illness, it's like it's almost cancer. But I think that some people, you can get a mind virus, you know, that you're just in a funk. Just like you got you got to battle off a cold, you battle off a season of funkiness where you're depressed or extra anxious or angry, you know, anything that, that leads to it. Now, you know, things like schizophrenia and, you know, when you get into serious, serious um, diagnoses that... You know, usually that's something that just goes wrong from a very young age, and that is pretty much a lifelong thing. Someone's got to battle. But when you just talk about anxiety, depression, you know, I think things can come and go with people too. Uh, I've known it's happened with me um, where you're just in a bad spot for a little bit mentally, but it's just like a virus, you know, but you got to treat it just like you take, you know, stuff for a cold, supplements and all that. I, figure out I got to do some more meditation or more praying um, you know some private things meditation and prayer together it helps it fade you know so music is another one though what song I'm doing genetic what's it called Dang. Uh, yeah genetic curse genetic it is curse. the first single off of the EP that is still not released uh, oh wow so we're are we getting this music no no no, no. this song this song's released on YouTube oh okay. it's the, right. it's got a little lyric leaning on stuff Music City Metal in the fishbowl, in the electric fishbowl with uh, some people that are very dear to me. And one's right across the table and the other two are to my right. How come I'm out of arm's reach? I don't know. Oh. Sometimes y'all need that. We could play footsie. <laughs> we could play footsie if you want. No, you're fine. Try. Nope, too short. <laughs> Music City Metal, we'll be right back. Here's James Cole, the fourth with Genetic Curse. My pain is constant and sharp. And I do not hope for a better world for anyone. In fact, I want my pain to be inflicted on others. I want no one to escape. But even after admitting this, 
offers no catharsis. My punishment continues to elude me, and I gain no deeper knowledge of myself. No new knowledge can be extracted from my telling. This confession has meant nothing. Place, commit a random act of kindness to a complete stranger. 